Welcome to the Love Fly podcast. Paul Tizard here, a fear of flying coach. And today we have a, a superstar back with us, Jamie Part Two. Welcome back, Jamie. Thank you for having me. What a lovely way to be introduced. Well, it's true. You know, your podcast episode has been very popular because you did some, because particularly because you talk about a few things like fear of heights and a few other things. And you've got some nice visualization things. That's been massively helpful for people. So I just thought we were long overdue. It's actually Gita said in message me, she said, what happened to Jamie? I thought he was going to do a part two. And I thought, you're right. It's We've let it <laughs> slip. So... How's it going? Oh, yeah, here we are. So tell me, how, how's your, how's the flying going? You've you've done some flights, and it's been a while since we last spoke and did our official podcast. So tell tell me how it's going now in terms of flying. What's going well? What's not going so well? Perhaps give us a, a mini potted history of where you were when we first were talking about fear of flying. Sure. Okay. Well, um, you know, I, I first uh, I first came to your uh, to your attention in episode eighty one, which is now uh, 13, 14 months ago. It's a very long time. Wow, it's gone so quickly. And and uh, <laughs> listeners, listeners, hopefully, will remember that what I'd done in episode eighty one was I'd given my life story up to that point in terms of flying, and all the trials and tribulations I'd been through, and the things that had gone well, the things that hadn't. You know, some of the, the tips I'd learned along the way. So I thought what we'd do now is 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 bring you up to date with what's happened in the last year, mm. because you, you know the, the, the sharper listeners will remember that in episode eighty one I was planning to go to America in October, and I was taking taking the family to Florida, and that at the time I was in the middle of what turned out to be eight months of preparation. So yeah, this was in this was in May last year that we did episode eighty one. So. I'd started, uh, I think, in January, preparing for a flight in October. And what I was doing was uh, listening to every podcast possible. Obviously, Love Fly was very prominent in this. So every podcast I could get my hands on, I was having therapy. I was looking at online courses. And I was listening to any hypno recordings I could get for fear of heights, fear of claustrophobia, fear Mm. of flying. And I, yep. I kind of kind of worked every single day on something so that I never ever missed a beat. So what happens is we get to we get to October and the uh, the flight to America, and I was fairly pleased to report that thanks to all the work I'd put in, I didn't have much in the way of anticipatory anxiety. So mm. when we went into the airport, I was strangely relaxed in the back of the car, and when we got to the airport, I was still strangely relaxed and when we got to the plane <laughs> I was easy going, something's got to kick in at some point because right now I still, I still feel really yeah relaxed. and I'm trying to ha- I've got this image in my head trying to imagine what strangely relaxed looks like and I, I don't know. <laughs> so, strangely relaxed is what happens when you're not expecting to be relaxed but you are <laughs> so um so there I was at, at the airport and do you know what I think you may some of the, the viewers or the listeners will recall that I actually recorded three videos on that flight that I put on Love Fly to try to help other people with the same problems mm. and in those videos I explained that that actually it was all fantastically good I I cannot describe to you just how well that went 
because right from takeoff through the flight itself, right from to landing in Orlando, I really didn't have very much concern at all. It was a wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed enjoyed every second of it. And in fact, there was a there was a, a small clip that my wife uh, filmed for me, and we put on Love Fly of me dancing in the aisle, <laughs> and it was a pathetic. It was a really pathetic bit of dad dancing that my kids were hugely embarrassed by. But the, the reason for the reason for me that was so important was because you've got to remember that historically, I couldn't even stand up on a plane. Mm. You know, walking down the aisle to go to the toilet could be a major hazard for me, and then yes. here I was so happy that I just said to I said to my wife I said look please just just film this I'm going to do a stupid dance because it is <laughs> it's such a good experience and and I fulfilled that I did a really stupid dance <laughs> and did you give anybody else a fear as a result of this or was... oh I don't I don't know I hope not no. yeah so yeah no the, so, so, so the, the flight out to America went really really well it couldn't have gone better so that meant that while I was in America, uh, we were having a, we had a really great time. You know, there was there was nothing to worry about. I was relaxed. Um, thinking of the flight home didn't bother me at all. Mm. So uh, so so we were able to have a really good holiday without any anxiety. And then ultimately, after a couple of weeks, you've got to face the return flight. So yes. our return flight was uh, was out of Miami, and this was all on Virgin, both Virgin flights, um, and we'd had. An A350 going out, which was lovely, and we were due to have a 787 Dreamliner coming back. So all the way up to to getting to Miami Airport, I was perfectly fine. I was looking forward to the flight, perfectly relaxed, not an issue anywhere. I really didn't feel anything at all that could be described as uh, fear or problems or anything like that. So I was looking forward to the flight home. So we get on the plane. It is a 787, which is great. I've never flown on one before, and I was looking forward to it. Mm. And it's a night flight. You see, it's, it's, it's dark outside. So when I sat down on, on the right-hand side of the plane by the window, I'm looking outside, and it's pitch black, right? Absolutely pitch black. Couldn't see a single detail. And to me, I kind of thought, oh, well, that's okay, because it's nighttime. So yes. you'd expect it to be dark. Yeah, <laughs> but curiously, from the le- if you looked out the left-hand windows, you could see all the lights of the airport and all the people going about their business and you know the planes and everything. So it took me a while to cotton on. I was sitting there thinking, well, why is it all pitch black on the right-hand side, and yet you can see everything clearly? Yeah, on yeah. The left? Now this it didn't occur to me what had happened, but some people will on here will know that the Dreamliner has got dimmable windows. And I hadn't dimmed the windows. I hadn't touched the windows at all. I, I kept trying to strain my neck to look out of the left side so that I could see see some lights and some ground and what have you. But when the plane went to taxi towards the runway, I suddenly thought, well, this is crazy. There's nothing going on on the right-hand side. I can't see out. Mm. And I began to get just a little bit nervous. Yes. Just, there was just a fractional feeling of, hang on a minute, the claustrophobia is kicking in because I can't see out. Yeah, yeah. So we had we, we took off out of Miami. It was slightly bumpy, nothing too serious, but it was enough enough just to make me think, oh, this is awful. I can't see out of the window and it's mm. getting bumpy. I kind of need to orientate myself. So I, I spent a lot of time trying to see out of the left-hand window until we were in the clouds and then you could see the lights no more and what have you. 
and 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 as it turns out, to cut a long story short, Paul, the rest of the flight home was fine. It was all perfect. I had a few minutes just during the climb when I wasn't comfortable, but all the rest of the flight home was perfect. Just, I was just going to say, what turned out to be the case is that when we were in the cruise on the way home, I spoke to the, the cabin staff and I said, I can't see out of my window. And when they checked it, they said, oh, God, the whole of the right hand side of the plane is in is in blanked out mode and it shouldn't be. <laughs> so they well, no know, one else had they, noticed. They <laughs> no one else had noticed. We'd all sat there in the dark going, it's dark out there, isn't it? <laughs> And the, oh, the, cabin, no. the cabin director came over to me and he said, look, because I told, I had told him at the beginning of the flight, I said, look, I'm a little bit nervous about this. Mm. So I, I had a great flight out, but I'm a bit nervous. I'm not sure what to make of the darkness, you know. And uh, he didn't he didn't pick up on it. But afterwards, when he came to see me on the flight home, he went, I'm so sorry. He oh, said, we blanked nice. out all the windows and we didn't mean to. And I was a bit frustrated because I wish I'd been able to see out and see the lights of my alley yeah. as I yeah, climbed exactly. away. That would have been nice, and it would have it would have helped to uh, to settle my mind a little bit, you know. But mm. but that's the way it was. I'm afraid it was it was darkness, and then when they when they realised they they obviously put the, the windows back to normal, and so it meant that come morning time when we were coming over Ireland, you know, I got fantastic views, and it was yes. very comfortable and happy, and. And, and so overall, the, the point I'm trying to get to is that the, the whole experience was wonderful. It was superb. I, I don't feel quite so afeared now. But I also was reminded for a few minutes there that I'm a bit like an alcoholic in recovery. Mm. You know, there, there are, you know, there are, there are going to be moments that could still trigger me. But yeah. I know how to deal with them. You know, I know how to deal with them now. So, yes, that was a so really interesting test, wasn't it? That because I wouldn't like that either. That I would, I would hate not to be able to see out. You know, that would frustrate me. And I'd, I don't know if I'd feel, you know, disorientated or something. But it's possible, isn't it? Because you just literally lose everything, which is what yeah. happened to you. Yeah, and it was. Uh, I mean, luckily it was mercifully short. I mean, I, I wasn't. I wasn't too bad with it, but it was just in the climb going out when I was desperate to see out and just get mm. some kind of sense of distance or anything like that. And and I couldn't. And I just started to think, oh, this is a little bit uncomfortable now. And I had to do a bit of a little bit of breathing exercises just to keep myself calm. But yeah, it was over within a few minutes. As soon as the bumpiness stopped, it was over. That was very quick. And then I was back to normal and we had a really good flight home. So that's a that's a great story and i love the link that you made to the fact that like being a recovering alcoholic that you can't there's always going to be a, something that's going to could trigger you and it, you're never a done deal type of thing yeah i i think i think it's always possible that i could i could still feel fear because on on the flight out it was so good i was convinced it was completely conquered on every level and I'm cer certainly now a much, much better flyer than I ever was before I discovered Love Fly. I mean, I'm so grateful to you guys for the way I've got help with this because I'm now able to, to help others. I'm so sufficiently recovered I can help other people. But that flight coming back just gave me a few seconds of going, yeah, don't get too cocky with this. It's, it's a work in progress. You know? <laughs> no, I like well, I don't think anyone's ever call you, described you as cocky, but I think it was... That is an interesting point. And so one of the things that I was thinking when I was looking over on my notes from the last time we spoke is that you particularly have had 
aside from lots of stuff, you specifically have had to conquer claustrophobia and fear of heights. And I just wondered if you could just remind us of some of your tips again, because these have been really popular in case people miss them first time round. Because a lot of people coming in now, finding the podcast and going, oh, my God, I don't know where to start, you know. So they're just <laughs> kind of dipping in and out. They might not get Jamie part one. I'll make sure this is called Jamie part two so they know. They know. But, they know yeah. the first part that they need to go and listen to. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But just in case, yeah. Sort of, so you've, you overcame the claustrophobia and the fear of flights as, as part of the smorgasbord of things that went with your fear of flying. Uh, yeah, so would you mind just sort of reminding us of some of those sort of things that you used or still use? Yeah, the the in, interestingly, I do believe the claustrophobia and the heights are actually linked in some way because I'm not a claustrophobic in normal everyday life. I don't I don't get bothered in lifts or on the underground or anything like that. Mm. Um, I can cope. I can actually cope with small spaces very well. I think, but it's magnified by the fact you're in the air. So. I think it's more about a fear of heights and instability, claustrophobia, because I only ever get this claustrophobia on planes, you see. Mm. So so it was more about conquering the fear of height that has done me the best. And there are several ways of doing this as, as a fearful flyer. I think I think I do believe, I, I do keep saying this, but I do believe that learning the technical side of flying and how a plane stays in the air can help you to overcome a lot of the initial uh, reservations that you might have about height. Yes, because, because once you realise you're not actually going to be falling from that height, everything seems a lot clearer and a lot a lot better. Mm. But one of the, one of the tips I've used before, and I, and I I feel I feel like I'm boring people if I talk about this again because I've mentioned it so much on the on the page. But feeling connected to the ground is a very very good way of curing a fear of height. And what I used to do when I was young, I came up with this idea that the plane was on a very, very large pole and that there were wheels on the bottom of the pole and that the pole was supporting the plane and just driving along the ground or through the ocean and the plane was on top of the pole. And I found that as soon as I thought that, when I was fearful on a plane, as soon as I thought about the pole being in touch with the ground, a lot of my fear disappeared. I, mm. I didn't have any problems at all. And, and then kind of what happened to update you on that is that many years later, I saw a, th a therapist about fear of flying and he gave me another similar tip. So I was clearly on the, in, in the right ballpark yes. because yeah. he, 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 he said the way to deal with heights and he, he was talking in this instance, although he was a fear of flying coach, he was talking about buildings. He said, imagine you have got incredibly long legs. So, you know, your legs are you know, 100 stories tall or seven miles tall or whatever they are, and that you are literally just walking yourself along the ground, but that your head is above the clouds or on the 50th floor of a building or whatever it happens to be. And when I tried that, I thought, well, yeah, this is like this is like my long pole theory, which is that if you're in touch with the ground, you suddenly feel a lot more secure. And we mm. we. I had a trip to Italy a few years ago and I decided to put this to the test because I was going on a very steep and very high cable car and I wasn't comfortable about doing it, but I wanted to take the children to the top of the mountain. Yes. And so as the cable car went up the side of the mountain, I just thought to myself, you've got massive legs <laughs> and you're climbing <laughs> the side of this mountain. <laughs> and you know, 
I sort of literally looked down, imagining I could see my huge legs going all the way down into the tree. Um, <laughs> but it works. It's very, very bizarre. When you're inside my head, it can be very bizarre sometimes. Um, it makes you wonder what everybody else is thinking, doesn't it? But, no, um, but not, yeah. not really, no. Not now. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but there I was striding along up the mountainside in Italy on the cable car, and it worked so i just thought to myself well the next time i'm on a plane i'm going to imagine i'm walking along and and it it does it does help you know with your um, like five mile legs (laughs) yes i I think uh, well i think you know i think it's interesting though jamie because it's like you know the thing with the brain is that you can't trick it can't you you can sort of like you know we tell ourselves also you know it's no different to saying when people are on the ground they look up and see an aircraft and they get scared because they imagine themselves being in it. And so it's no less or more unusual than that, is it? Because we're not in the aircraft, but it's enough, we, we can visualise ourselves in it and then get ourselves anxious. Why is it any more strange, you being in an aircraft or at height and then going, well, I've got these long legs or there's a big pole with wheels on the bottom. You know, if, if, if your brain accepts it as some sort of version of like helpful then what's wrong with that? You know, it's, it's just helpful, positive imagery, isn't it? Yeah, and and I, I believe, and I'm sure psychologists would tell you the same, that actually that's that goes a long way to helping soothe the mind with whatever your problems are. If you can just substitute, however bizarre it might be, if you can just substitute some other you know mechanism for, for, for coping, then you'll find that the brain can be easily tricked. Mm. So... So I, I find that that works very well. In fact, in fact interestingly enough, I've, I've got desperate to tell you this other story, actually, that uh, there's a there's a kid in my son's football team, right, a 10 year old boy who's terrified of thunderstorms and he, they really send him into a severe panic. Mm. But the funny thing is about this kid is that he's also a plane enthusiast. He loves flying. He loves planes. He's, he's the most knowledgeable 10 year old kid on flying you'll ever meet. And he was having a he was having a panic attack the other day at a football match, and it was quite severe. And his parents were there, and everyone was worried about him and what have you. Yeah, yeah. Um, because there was this big thunderstorm raging, raging. So I went up to him and I said, "I said, look, what's your um? I know his name. I won't give you his name, but I, I said to him, you know, what what's your favourite plane? And he said, "Oh, it's an Airbus A three fifty. So I, I I said to him, "I said, look." do you think Airbus A350s are scared of thunder or do they just fly through it because they know it's a normal part of their life? And he thought about that for a second. In the middle of a very severe panic attack, he thought about it and his breathing calmed down and he started kind of looking a lot more relaxed. And he said, oh, my God. He said, I just... he said no, an A350 would fly through the thunderstorm, wouldn't it? And his mum and dad were overjoyed. You know, they said, that's, <laughs> that's an amazing thing to say because all you do is you substitute his fear for something that he understands and that works for him. And suddenly it's not so scary. Oh, I love that. Um, so, you know, and, and and his parents, actually, they sent me a message much later that day after the, the football tournament had finished to say, look, you really helped with our son because, you know, he's now talking about being a plane rather than being scared of thunderstorms. I just so, think that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, just I love that you've been able to sort of apply your your wisdom. So I reckon that someone's probably listening to this now thinking, oh, I quite like that. I mean, I know some people <laughs> well, have said, so. yeah, yeah, I hope so. I think uh, I, what I'd be thinking if I was listening to this now, I'd be thinking, oh, I wonder if I can, I wonder if I could apply that to 
my my fear, you know, like so. Uh, so for some people, their claustrophobia is particularly linked to the doors being, you know, that you know when you land, you've got to wait that amount, certain amount of time before you can get off. You know, that's their specific thing, or they'll it'll be linked to. I get on board the aircraft and there's one aisle, not two aisles, and and that makes me feel closed in. You know, so this. So I'm just wondering whether there's ways to tweak what you've just said into that those type of scenarios. And I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but I think there's there's some great wisdom there, Jamie. So if you could just answer all those questions and all those problems, I'd be very grateful. Yeah, well, it's um, you know, I I came up with that on the spur of the moment. Really, I just thought anything I can do to to substitute his fear for something he understands, and just by coincidence, he happened to understand and like planes. So. So that worked very well because, yeah, no, it was, it was just something I came up with on the spur of the moment to to substitute something he was scared of with something he knew and understood. And luckily, planes and thunder actually kind of go together. So, you know, it was a good example to use in that in that scenario, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. So what so thinking now, you've learned a lot now. How would you how if you talk about yourself and flying? What sort of language do you tend to use now? It's a, it's a lot more positive. Just to bring you up to speed, I'm flying again at the end of this month. Excellent. Um, taking, the, taking the family to Europe. You know, normally by now I would be terrified with only two weeks to go. But actually, so far, no problems, no fears. I'm totally confident of making that flight happy. Mm. And I might just go, I might just listen to a podcast or a hypnotape a day or two before. But other than that, I'm pretty confident it's going to. That's amazing. You sound like you're very, you're, you're on it, basically. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident this is, this is going to go well. And I might, I even thought to myself, well, I might do some more videos for Love Fly. Who knows? I might, I might film out the window and, and talk about it and, uh, you know, more dancing. See if I can impart more dancing. Who knows? Maybe less dancing. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't <laughs> dance. But uh, but uh, it, uh, we'll we'll play it by ear. But yes, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to going. Well, I, I'm just really pleased at the progress you've made, and it's not without hard work, is it? You've put a lot of time and work into this, you know. Yeah, this that's the key to it. This is this is this is one of the takeaway tips from this podcast. I think for the for the love flyers is that. I don't think this comes easy to people. And I think that the way to conquer it is, for some people, it's harder than you think and it's going to take longer than you realise. So for me, I tend to over-prepare for everything in my life, right? Everything, even this podcast, I over-prepare for everything. And I think that's the tip that you need for conquering a fear as big as flying. You have to work on it every day. You have to listen to the right resources. You have to read the right books and never give up. Never, ever feel that you've been knocked back. Always, always keep going with it. I love that. That's just pure Jamie wisdom. That is genius. <laughs> oh, that's very kind of you to say. No, I was just I was just going to say there was um, there was just a couple of a uh, couple of things I was going to just mention really i mean i I don't Mm. have any more tips as such that are really really good ones i haven't i haven't found those earth shattering answers to the fear (laughs) in the last few months uh any more than i had on the on the last the last one but i did i did think about yeah okay i I don't have any more tips than uh, i had last time none that are really earth shattering but i did think of one the other day actually that just came to mind 
And that is that um, my daughter did a trip to Italy and she was flying in both directions. And and when she got back, while I was waiting for her to get back to, uh, from, from the trip, I was looking at flight radar and I checked out her precise plane. And her plane was on its sixth sector of the day. And it was going, having arrived back in London, it was going to be flying back to Italy that night. And it occurred to me that whilst we all take our flights and they're very, you know, dramatic and very scary and very exciting, and we think we think it's a really big deal for us, for the plane and probably the cruise, it is so mundane. It is so every day. It is so, so much a part of their normal daily life. Just another everyday task. Planes, you know, going from, you know, Bologna to Ibiza, Ibiza to a to Bologna, Bologna somewhere else, back to Bologna, then Bologna to London, then back from London. To yeah, Bologna. yeah. And I was, I was thinking, this is an everyday experience. Every flight that plane does, it's probably bored out of its brains. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we sit there, we sit there in fear, thinking that this is the journey that's going to change our life, and actually, it really isn't. You know, this is a very, very ordinary thing for the people doing the flying. Funnily enough. I, I, I was I was chatting to a, a guy who's a parent at my daughter's school, and he's a pilot for the Saudi royal family. Right. And because I, you know, I mean, in flying, so I kind of drilled him on a few questions, and he said, he said the biggest thing he has to overcome is boredom, because he, you know, he spends his entire life flying between Saudi Arabia, London, and Zurich. That's his his route for the royal family is Saudi Arabia, London, Zurich. And he said, really, I just want something to happen that's going to liven me up because it is so everyday, it's so mundane. And I thought, well, there's a tip for the love flyers as well. Not only are the planes doing this routinely every single day, but the pilots are too. They know their stuff and it's well within their capabilities. Yeah, those are, that is a, that's a great insight, Jamie, actually. That's really good. So, um, yeah, so... Uh, so so that's that's what I've learned from this time around. How's that? That's very good. A nice, positive, and very sort of down to earth tips. I think that people will be able to relate to those. And and just for those who are thinking, oh yeah, but the pilots are bored now. How do they keep themselves entertained? That's why you have two pilots, and that's why you have rest, and that's why you have checklists. So there's lots and lots that goes on to help keep the pilots awake and alert. That, there's some really nice wisdom there. So maybe just we'll we'll wrap up here. And I just want to say a massive thank you to all you've done and all the contributions you've made in the group and continue to do. Really grateful to you for you know the time we've talked and all your you know sharing of time and expertise. I'm very very grateful. There's no problem, Paul. I'm I'm really grateful to you for having me on. I'm really pleased to do it. And I'll, I'll just I'll just finish with one with one thing. I saw an advert the other day for EasyJet recruiting over 55-year-olds. Oh, and I nice. thought to myself, because I'm 55 now, I'm 55, and I thought, do you know what? <laughs> I've <laughs> never fully considered a career in the aviation industry before, but I might just get in touch with EasyJet and see what they've got going for over 55-year-olds. I'm, <laughs> I'm that confident. <laughs> that is amazing. Well, that'll be, a, that'll be a great podcast episode, that'll be. <laughs> Jamie, part three, cabin crew or pilot, we don't know. No, thank you. It's lovely to talk to you. Thanks for having me on. Amazing. Thanks, Jamie. Great to see you again, mate. And yeah, good luck. And I hope the flight goes well. We look forward to your pictures and videos and thank more you. dancing. Cheers, mate.
Thank you for listening to the Love Fly podcast. I hope you found it useful. Now, as always, if you need any extra help, please join our Love Fly Facebook group. You can also follow us on Instagram at lovefly_help. And also, if you go to our website, which is lovefly.co.uk forward slash shop, you can see other ways that you can get some help. Thanks for listening.